and it was really interesting because we knew this new soap opera was coming, and they were interviewing people for it. And on my very first audition, I went in, and I, and I read. And then you went back, and then you went back again, and then you went back again. And each time you went back, you were more and more terrified. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us once again here at On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This is episode 265. My name's Brian Zemrak, your host, and this week our guest is Jack Stoffer. He was the original Chuck Tyler on All My Children, and he was Lieutenant Bojay on Battlestar Galactica, and of course he has all kinds of other co-starring roles on different shows and everything. But we're going to talk about all of those things, and it's coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And i got to tell you that um, I just got back from California, and uh, we got a lot of different guests that we're going to be having here at On Screen and Beyond. I made some more connections. we got, uh, we got some legends coming your way, so be sure to be here in the next couple of weeks because uh, we got some great guests coming your way. So it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of people who ha- has just, you know, been in the business forever, and they have such great stories to tell, and it's all going to be coming up soon right here on On Screen and Beyond. And if you are going to be doing any shopping, now you can do a great thing here. You can help support the show by simply doing what you normally do. If you are buying anything on the Internet and it happens to be one of our sponsors here at On Screen and Beyond, you can go to onscreenandbeyond.com, and if you see an ad for one of the places that you're going to do your shopping, just click on it there and then do your shopping as it brings you to their site, okay? And what that does is uh, they recognize that it's coming from our site, and we get a little credit for it, help support the show, and it doesn't cost you anything different. It's just uh, just the route to get there, and we'd appreciate that because it'd help us out too. So you can kill two birds with one stone. That'd be great. So what do you say? A lot of stuff going on. We have a new feature coming up in just a few minutes, so uh, let's get right into it. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Remake Madness. Remake Madness, well, the move from phone screen to the big silver screen for Angry Birds Movie will come your way on July 1st, 2016. And a remake of 2000's Dungeons & Dragons. You don't remember that? You're not alone. Anyways, uh, (laughs) there's a remake in the works, but it is currently having legal issues as to who owns the rights. And you can look for Will Smith. He's working on a remake of The Wild Bunch, a classic Western. And this time only it's not going to be taking place in the Old West. This time it's set in modern times. So we'll keep an eye out for that. That's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? We've got it next. Upcoming new movies, Emily Blunt has joined the cast of Into the Woods as a childless baker and his wife hunt for a witch who has put a curse on their family. And Johnny Depp stars in the musical. That's what it is. It's a musical as the family enters a fairy tale laden world, meeting Rapunzel, Cinderella, and Little Red Riding Hood, just to name a few. 
And a movie called Martian follows a man stranded on Mars trying to figure out how to survive until he can return to Earth. And Billy Crystal will be playing a widower who moves into a reputed adult community to reinvigorate his sex life. The comedy is called Winter's Discontent. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. We'll take a peek at what's coming away as far as sequels down at Sequel City right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Sequel City, well, a sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is in the works, and uh, it's finally moving along without director Ang Lee and most of the original cast. And Brad Bird says he turned down directing the next Star Wars movie, but he says he is still considering making The Incredibles 2. And... The writer of Iron Man 3 will be writing the next installment of Mission Impossible, and you can look for Tom Cruise to return to star and co-produce. That is it for Sequel City, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD on August 6th, Duck Dynasty quacks its way onto DVD with Season 3. And on August 13th, Boardwalk Empire Season 3 will arrive on Blu-ray and DVD. And also on August 13th, Enlightened Season 2 will come to Blu-ray and digital download. And it's starring Laura Dern. That is it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen Beyond, what's coming away as far as movies on DVD? We're going to tell you right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies on DVD, well, Wesley Snipes stars in a supernatural western called Gallowalkers. And it's coming to DVD and digital download on August 6th. And an end-of-the-world thriller called Ring of Fire will arrive on June 11th on DVD. And it stars Terry O'Quinn. And on July 23rd, Elle Fanning of Super 8 fame. And We Bought a Zoo fame stars in Ginger and Rosa. And it's a heartwarming coming-of-age film. That is it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we take you down to find out what's coming your way as far as TV. TV time is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV time, well, new shows are being constantly announced by the different networks, and the CW has announced The Tomorrow People, the Originals, Starcrossed, and The 100. And they also have a period piece called Rain. Now that's R E I G N. And it's about a young Mary Queen of Scots. So that's a, something a little different for them. And over at TNT, The Walking Dead's Frank Durabont, who brought us that show, will bring us a noir thriller called Los Angeles. That sounds like a good one. And Sean Bean. Yes, that's right. He's going to be starring in a spy thriller called Legends. And TNT also has announced that will it will take uh, on Steven Spielberg's new take on the classic Peter Gunn series. And if you haven't seen that, check it out. And also, uh, Sylvester Stallone... He's going to be producing a show for TNT called The Last Cop. 
That's it. Next week, we'll give you a couple more ideas of what's coming away as far as the new TV season in the fall. And that's it for TV time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take you to the, our interview segment with Jack Stoffer. Jack is here. He was on All My Children as the original Chuck Tyler. He was on uh, Lieutenant uh, Boje on Battlestar Galactica. And he's a lot of fun to talk to. Jack's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining me today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who has appeared in many shows, including The Partridge Family, The Rockford Files, Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman, and he was the original Dr. Chuck Tyler on All My Children. He is also known for his role as Lieutenant Boje on the original Battlestar Galactica. It's Jack Stoffer. Jack, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Jack, let's find out how you started your acting career. Well... You know, in, interesting enough, I, I grew up in the industry. My father was a producer. My mother was the producer for W.C. Fields. My father hated the industry and did everything he could to keep me out of it, which was probably why my father and I were estranged for many years. But this was something that was always in my blood. I, I had a fantasy life as a child that had no boundaries. I... I could go into my backyard by myself and play entire games of cowboys and Indians and play both sides. I could take a tennis ball and bounce it off a wall and play nine innings of baseball with it. It was The role-playing was always there for me, uh, and it was just a natural transition then to go ahead and do it. Any actors that influenced you while you were growing up? The stage actors. Um, I, I remember the first... Broadway play I saw, I saw opening night of Rex Harrison and Julie Andrews in My Fair Lady. Um, other than that, you know, I was always drawn to the actors whose work was completely natural. Spencer Tracy was always an idol of mine. I always thought Spencer Tracy could take a bad movie and make it good. Michael Caine can take a bad movie and make it good. Um, I loved underrated actors like Steve McQueen, who I thought was a wonderful actor. I think naturalness in acting and not overplaying is essential to being a good actor. I come from the Stanislavski method, um, where you draw from your own personal experiences. Other than that, you know, I always just tried to be honest in what I did um, and tried to be unafraid. Do you remember what your first acting role was, your you know, official paid acting role? First official paid acting role was in New York. It was a heart fund commercial where I played the son of a father who had a heart attack. And that got me two months' rent, I think, in my apartment. When you started acting on All My Children as Dr. Chuck Tyler, how did you get the part? This was interesting. This was a brand-new show. And very interestingly enough, this is how I met Richard. And Richard and I started that show together in January of 1970. And it was really interesting because we knew this new soap opera was coming, and they were interviewing people for it. And on my very first audition, I went in, and I I read. And then you went back, and then you went back again, and then you went back again. And each time you went back, you were more and more terrified. Until the final screen test came, and 
I thank goodness I never saw that screen test because it was it was truly hor- horrible. But years later, when I talked to Doris Quinlan, who was the executive producer of the show, I think I was in my fourth year, and we were talking about it, the actors who got hired, and Doris turned to me and she said, you were the first actor we hired. We hired you the first day we saw you at your first audition. I said, why didn't you tell me? She said, well, we never tell anybody the first day. You mentioned that you worked with Richard Hatch on that show, of course, and Richard's been a past guest on On Screen and Beyond. And you also had a guest starring role in uh, The Streets of San Francisco. Now, was that with Richard or was it with Michael Douglas? No, actually, I did three streets, two with Michael and the last one with Richard. And Richard and I, we tease each other a lot, but he and I go back a long way together. And I think we've remained such close friends because we are so totally opposite. We do laugh about it that Richard is the star of the show and I'm the sidekick. And these are roles we've kind of gotten used to playing, and it works very well for us. And it allows us to stay really good friends because we're not in competition with each other. Now, all my children, working on a soap like that, is it difficult to, I mean, it's pretty grueling learning all that dialogue in such a short time. Well, it was grueling in those days because this was the early days of soaps. And this show was known as Live on Tape. The show was filmed on videotape, but this was the early days of videotape. Each production did not have its own videotape facilities. ABC had one master facility, and with that, they shared uh, uh, One Life to Live and All My Children and other things. We literally had 40 minutes of airtime, tape time, to do a 30-minute show. So you couldn't screw it up. Um, You were basically doing the show live. All My Children was also the first show to literally double the pace of the show. Older soaps were 20 to 25 page scripts per half hour all my children was 45 pages per half hour we were the first show to deal with topical issues abortion um uh, vietnam and stuff and stuff like that so you literally had to be able to come in know all your words do two rehearsals and do 30 minutes of dialogue without messing it up the thing that saved me mostly was my theater training um Thank goodness for it. I was able to learn the lines. There were wonderful actors who came on that show who were fired because the pressure of doing this in this short time frame was just too much for them. Um, Joanna Miles, um, who played my aunt, was fired from the show and six months later won an Emmy for Glass Menagerie. Uh, Bobby Urich, who's long gone now, lasted three months could not handle that pace of doing the show. You could not screw it up. They did not want to do retakes, and it had to be absolutely horrible for you to do a retake. Were there any times when things went through that really shouldn't have, you know, things? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the classic story was we were in the, um, the Martin living room, and Phil and Tara came in, and it was snowing out, and they had these big long tubes where the snowflakes which come down outside the windows Ray McDonald, Mary Fickett we all come tromping in the room you know, shaking the snow off our, our coats and then Phil and Tara went down and run to the fireplace you know, and had a little moment together and I was up by the front window with Ray McDonald and Mary Fickett and the dialogue went something like oh isn't it a shame that they're having so much trouble, Chuck can you help them well I'll do everything I can, blah 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 so Ray McDonald turned to me and he said, well, Chuck, let me hang up your coat. 
And he took my coat and he opened the closet door and it was snowing in the closet. Now, Ray McDonald didn't bat an eye. Ray McDonald said, Chuck, when the storm's over, would you give me a hand up on the roof? We've got to fix that leak, keep the snow out of the closet. And that's how the show went on the air. This, the second one, which is great, which is actually in my fourth year. Now, you have to realize when we started All My Children, we were all high school seniors. At the beginning of the second year, I was hit over the head and went into a coma. And when I came out of the coma, I was a doctor. So there I was in the doctor, you know, and I am in the room with Ray McDonald and Hugh Franklin. And, you know, they're both gone now. And it was a diagnosis thing. You know, I, I went to my grandfather, who was Hugh Franklin. And, uh, and the line was, Grandfather, can you help me with this diagnosis? And his line was, Chuck, this is a classic case of myocardial infarction. That was the line. Hugh Franklin couldn't get it out. Right? And Ray McDonald had a way of looking at you. Right? And just making you laugh. And all through rehearsal, Hugh would go, Well, Chuck, it's a classic case of America. Um, it's, a, it's a classic case of the, ah, nuts. Right? And we were laughing hysterically. Now, we get to the air show. And everybody is gathered around this portion of the set because they know Hugh is not going to get myocardial infarction out. So the line comes up, and uh, I go, Grandfather, can you tell me what this is? And Hugh Franklin looks at me and goes, Well, Chuck, I think you ought to ask Dr. Joe over there. He knows that better than I do. And I went, Dr. Joe? And Joe went, Well, it's a classic case of Mark. Ah, shit. <laughs> and that was one of the few times we stopped and had to do it over again. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With that show, of course, uh, Erica Kane was a big character on there. Did you have any uh, interminglings with her? I was the only one in Pine Valley she didn't marry. But what was really interesting was Susan and I started the, the, the same day and did our first show together. It was January 13th, 1971. Susan was 21. She and I started the same day, and I can still remember her last line. She said to me, Chuck, I'll bet you a Jefferson Airplane album I can break Phil and Tara up before Christmas. Now, why did you leave the show? Boy, this is a tough one. It can take a long time. Um, I was madly in love with a well-known actress. And she was wanted on the West Coast. And so I decided to leave. Against my better judgment, all my children go to the West Coast. Nobody knew who I was on the West Coast. They wanted her on the West Coast. I wanted very much to stay on the show because I loved the fact that it was a 52-a-week-year job. One of the horrid things about being an actor is, you know, for every few days you're working and on top of the world, there are many, many more days where you're out there looking for a job and trying to pay your rent. The ups and downs are, are just extreme. But I agreed to go, and what was really interesting was before we went, Doris Quinlan, who was the executive producer, Ag Aggie Nixon, who was our um, head writer and the creator of the show, took this, I, I don't want to mention this girl's name, took us out to dinner and uh, after coffee sat down and said, well, Jack, 
we don't want you to leave the show. This is what we would like to do. We're going to up your salary um, to $1,000 a week. Now, this was $1974, which was a lot of money. And I thought, $52,000 a year. Well, before I could open my mouth, she turned to my wife and said, that goes for you too. And I went, that's hundred and a year for a young married couple in 1974. We went back to our apartment and had the first knockdown, dragged out fight we ever had. And to this day, I still remember her sitting in the corner of the apartment with her knees drawn up to her chest, screaming at me, you promised, you promised. So we moved to California. We were married for another three years, and then she ran off with a director. And so when people say to me, could you undo one decision in your life? I'd say, absolutely. I would have never left that show. Jeez. Now, Battlestar Galactica, another big show. How did you get the part on that one? Actually, you know, it was really quite simple. I was given the role because of my relationship with Richard. It was an ABC show. All My Children was an ABC show. Richard and I always had a very good dynamic, and when they wanted to bring the part in of BoJ, Universal called me in. Glenn Larson called me in. They asked me to read the scene. There was literally nobody else in the room but us. I didn't see any other actors there. And when I read the scene, Glenn said, how'd you like to come on the show? And I said, absolutely. That's how I got on the show. Why do you think Battlestar Galactica is so memorable to people? And it's been, what, 30 years? Richard explains this so well. You know, the themes of the show, the, the, the possibility of life elsewhere in the universe. Um, I, I liked the show because I thought it had just great values. But beyond that, I liked the show because I had a job. Now, what was really interesting for me was the... When I was hired, I was hired to do a two-hour episode. And in my original script, I got killed in the end of it. Half, after we shot the first hour, I got called up to Glenn's office. And like any typical actor, I thought, well, I've done something wrong. I'm going to get fired. And Glenn sat me down and he said, you know I hired you to put you with Richard. And he said, it's very obvious that you two work well together. I want to bring you on this show permanently. And I went great. He said, my problem is I have a show that's way too man-heavy now and too many girls screaming that they're not getting enough to do. So he said, what I would like to do, since we're getting close to the end of the season, is put you in a couple more episodes in small parts and then bring you on the show full-time next year. And I said, Glenn, that absolutely works wonderfully for me because, quite frankly, I was not available for the next three weeks. I was scheduled to go off and do a two-hour How the West Was One. So, you know, I ended up doing, you know, one scene in the next two shows just to keep my presence around. And then I was supposed to get a contract for the second year, and we never got there. Were you more into theater before you started on TV, or was it even now after you were on TV? Oh, yeah. No, I started out in theater. My degree from Northwestern was in theater. My first job in New York, was interesting, I got hired to go on tour as a very young actor. It was 1969, and a group of us went down to Florida to do room service, the famous Marx Brothers play. And in that cast, the headliner was an old vaudevillian named Jules Munchen. The unknown actors in that cast were Danny DeVito, Paul Michael Glazer, Catherine Damon, and myself. And then when I got back to New York, you know, I started doing so much commercial work, and then I got into all my children. And frankly, 
the money is in television. But I never lost my love for theater. And when my career wound down, and frankly, you only have so much shelf life uh, as an actor unless you're a big star. I did four pilots for my own show. None of them were picked up. After that happens, it's very easy for a studio executive to say, well, Jack's done four pilots. Let's get somebody else. Then you get older, and there are just fewer and fewer parts. And frankly, you get angrier and angry. So I went back to my theater roots. I started doing a lot of musicals in Southern California, and then I transitioned into directing. And that's probably been the most satisfying thing for me because, as I said upstairs, I'm a big believer in pay it forward. I think I was capable at my craft. I've been told that I'm a very good director. I love passing on what I know to other young actors and would-be actors. And they don't necessarily have to be professional actors. We all are creative people in our soul. As children, we, we play wonderful role games with ourselves. We can play nine innings of baseball by yourself in the backyard. You can play cowboys and Indians all by yourself in the backyards. And at some point in your life, somebody says those magic words to you. When are you going to grow up? And all this imagination and all this creativity gets stifled. And you go out and you work in a job that you hate. And I tell people, all of, if you have that creative instinct in your body, you need to go nourish it. And it can be in community theater in your hometown. And I can't tell you how many people I have talked to who say, I have a job that I hate that I go to at 9 o'clock in the morning, and just before I'm ready to kill somebody at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I think to myself, you know what? I get to go to rehearsal in an hour and a half, and it gets them through the day, and it gets them doing creative things. And as I said, I, I think the best managers I've ever known, the best managers, executives, uh, commanding officers, directors, the best people I've ever known are people who surround themselves with very capable people and let them do their job. And that's, and that's what I do. I have no ego uh, about somebody coming up with a better idea than, than I do. When I'm directing a play, I'm meticulous about laying it out. And then I tell everybody around me, whether it's my technical director or my lighting director or my sound director or all the actors, I want you to find ideas and do things that are better than mine. And you have complete license to do that. And I never say no. I don't think the word no should ever come out of anybody's mouth. Because when you're dealing with creativity, there's no such thing as no. Jack, I want to finish up with two final questions. As far as watching TV, what are your favorite shows now and in the past? Favorite show nows are easy. There's anything that's not on network television. Um, I'm, I love the cable stuff. I love the edgy shows um, that are on HBO, that are on Showtime. Um, I like anything that pushes the envelope that makes you think. I was one of these people who loved Lost. Um, the trouble with network television is that they have to dumb it down to the lowest possible denominator. And I just can't stay with it. But I watch, you know, shows like Boardwalk Empire and Homeland, which are wonderfully done shows. And these are the things that, that I really like. But beyond that, my, my true love is still theater. And, and that's... You know, if you were upstairs, that's where I started. That's where I went back to, and that's where my heart is. What are your favorite movies of all time? That's easy because it, when you're on the internet and you can't remember your password, they say what's your favorite movie, and it's always been Lawrence of Arabia. 
Jack, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Oh, my pleasure. I was glad to do it. And I want to thank Jack Stoffer very much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. It's so much fun to talk to him, and uh, he's a guy, he's a great instructor. You know, he can really get down and and teach people how to be actors. So uh, uh, you should listen to him, and if you ever get a chance to attend one of his seminars or anything like that, be sure to check it out. Uh, he's a he's a good instructor. So. Lieutenant Bojay from Battlestar Galactica. Always liked him on that. And uh, all my children, he was the original Chuck Tyler. And, of course, we've had a couple of the Chuck Tylers here now. So <laughs> we're kind of filling in the spaces there. But, anyways, want to thank him so much for taking the time. And, uh, as I said earlier, we've uh, been you know working on some legends to come your way. And we've got a boatload coming. And uh, we've got... Uh, I, I, just, I, I don't want to give it away because uh, it's always fun to let you find out who's coming your way. But uh, uh, we, when, when I say legend, we have legends coming your way. So join us in the next couple of weeks. If you have a suggestion, please send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I will see what I can do about getting that person on for you. And uh, that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.